0: and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by one of the marvelous members of the Blueprint MCAT Live Online team, helping you crush your MCAT. I think that's the goal. Crush the MCAT? Why not? Let's do it. If you have not checked out Blueprint MCAT and the live online course, what are you waiting for? It is a course that includes over 40 hours of live instruction, 16 two-and-a-half-hour lessons with two, that's right, two MCAT experts. And they have shown that Blueprint students using live online increase their score by 15 points on average from their diagnostic to their official MCAT exam go check it out blueprintmcat.com this week we are jumping into a new series what to do as a first year student to start preparing for the MCAT George welcome back to the MCAT podcast how you doing Good, good. Good to be here. Thanks for having yeah, me. I'm excited. Uh, we have finished the Blueprint MCAT diagnostic, and now we're going to embark on a new journey. I'm going to call it the MCAT Blueprint by Blueprint MCAT. Uh, very clever. Very ta- clever. <laughs> talking about what, what this looks like as a first-year student coming in to undergrad, or maybe a super non-trad student kind of, initially thinking, hey, maybe I want to go back to med school. We're going over the next several episodes, going to kind of go, go step by step, year by year, up until that dreaded MCAT <laughs> comes knocking and you walk into that Pearson testing center or whatever the testing center of the future yeah. is. So, uh, hopefully, it's at home. I, I'm, I'm working on the double MC about that, but that uh, would be That would be cool. It's not going to happen anytime soon, uh, as, they, <laughs> as they told me. Um, so, I'm excited uh, because I think this is a very common trap that students fall into. Of not really understanding number one what the MCAT is like I did like I didn't know what the MCAT was until I had to take it. Now obviously I'm I'm really old so I didn't I didn't have the resources available to me that are available now. And I, I think as we've seen uh, the average MCAT score now has crept up. It's not a 500 anymore. It's a 501 and a half. So mm. students are getting more and more aware of what this thing. Called the MCAT is. They're getting better at taking it. They're getting better at using Blueprint MCAT's free resources. They're getting better at uh, listening to the MCAT podcast. And uh, I, I want to jump in and really highlight a, and use this almost as a curriculum uh, for students to go, okay, I'm a first-year student. Here's here's what you should be listening to. Go, go listen to this specific episode of the MCAT podcast to really highlight what you should be doing now when you're still three years away from taking the MCAT, right? Mm -hmm. So let's do the MCAT Blueprint by Blueprint MCAT here on the MCAT Podcast. That's a mouthful. Um, So, George, as you're looking at a first-year student, Mm. what is the best thing a first-year student should be doing to prepare for the MCAT as a junior if they're going down this traditional route. You
1: know, I think looking back, especially like, you know, through my my own journey and some of the journeys I've seen of other successful MCAT students and, you know, people who go on to med school who do well on the MCAT, I think the biggest piece of advice is especially if you're going into like a pre-med undergrad, so you know, the classic biomed, you do bio, chemistry, whatever it may be, and you have to take that diverse course set and a lot of these med school prereqs. Um, Take the classes seriously because it's one thing to see the courses and try to shoot for a good grade and, you know, do like the previous year's practice exams, try to get a sense of the style that the professor shows, try to like, try to almost do good test taking skills to get a good grade in the class. But you really want to understand it the first time around because relearning something is so much faster and more efficient than trying to learn it all again later when you want to study for the MCAT. Yeah. And like those questions, it doesn't matter how many full lengths you take. It doesn't matter how many practice questions you do. The MCAT is going to show you new things that are intentionally done to like throw you off your game, yeah. even though they're testing the same core concepts.
0: And George, understanding is different than getting A's, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, you know, and I'll be to- I'll be totally
1: honest. Like I I got A pluses in all my classes through undergrad, but there are certain things, even like in genetics, like the law of segregation didn't click for me until I made an animation for it to teach in another class, and I was like, oh, like it's it's not just something that I need to memorize. It's something that literally makes sense. It's like alleles separating in meiosis too. So I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. So it does take a lot of time to figure out. You know, take that that broad broad strokes and understand the bigger picture and understand how things connect, but it will pay off so much more in the long run when it comes to an application exam like the MCAT.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about timeline real quick to to help a student understand the MCAT comes pretty quickly (laughs) when Hmm. you're in school. Let's let's talk um, just in general. You have spring uh, or rather fall freshman year first year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. spring first year so that's two mm-hmm. semesters mm-hmm. you have fall sophomore year spring sophomore year you have fall junior year spring junior years when you're expected to take the MCAT because you're applying to med school kind of that late spring, early summer. Exactly. Junior year, that's six semesters. Like, yeah. I mean, when you, you're like, oh, it's three years away. Mm, it's six semesters away. Six semesters <laughs> and away, it's yeah. really at the beginning of that sixth semester, ideally that you're taking the MCAT so that you get your score back. You can uh, kind of re-attack it if you need to, to get mm-hmm. a better score. So really five semesters, you're already in the thick of studying for the MCAT. And and so when you look at it, going back, like working backwards, mm-hmm. you have fall, spring, fall, spring, study. Like you're already in the thick, the, the thick of studying for the MCAT, that fifth semester, fifth full semester, so that you can take it that sixth semester. And I think when you think about it in that way, and I don't know if I've ever laid it out in that way, or talked about it in that way. Like, that's crazy. And so I think a lot of students are like, wait a minute, like, I didn't know I had to take it then. And I didn't like, and we're seeing a lot of students say gap years now to, to purposefully take the MCAT when they're done with classes. So Mm -hmm. like, they just, they're like, I can't, I can't handle this. Um, Talk about that planning that needs to go into it as a first year student, because There's a lot of subjects. uh, There are a lot of subjects on the MCAT that students ideally have taken before they take the MCAT.
1: Yeah. I mean, to your point, like, let's just start, like, let's go through them. You know, the the chem-phys section, you have chemistry, which is general chemistry and organic chemistry on top of some physics. Uh, CARS is like reading comprehension. So they say you don't have to, like, study for it but you still need to practice. You need to understand the logic. And for some that comes more intuitively and for others, not so much. So it does take time to practice. Mm-hmm. Then you have the bio-biochemistry section, which is like your organismal biology, your cellular biology, your biochemistry, your enzyme pathways, all that kind of stuff. That's in the bio-biochemistry. And then of course, psych right? So you have your your general psychology, introductory to psychology classes, a little bit of sociology on top of that. That's like, that's like eight courses that you need to cover in the span of two years, right? And yeah. so- I think to your point, you know, saying, framing this idea of the MCAT as not three years later, but six semesters later, I would almost say that my recommendation is to try and push it to four semesters later in the sense that. If you can take it in the summer between your second to third year, I think that's a great time to try and take, because you're going to apply in your summer of third to fourth year. Mm-hmm. A lot of American schools will do rolling applications. So I'm up here in Canada. We just apply once in the in the fall. And it's like one set deadline, everyone's waited the same. Yep. But I would really challenge, like if, especially if you're listening at home, if there's schools you're interested in, check the admissions processes, because a lot of them, a lot of them do rolling out. Uh, yeah, the most. most are. Meaning that like, if you apply early in the summer, you have a better chance of getting in. If you apply later, they're like, there's fewer seats. So my honest recommendation is if you can try to do the MCAT your first time or like, ideally your only time, but if you can do it (laughs) your first time at the end of your second year in that summer, first of all, you have the most time. So it's the summer, right? A lot of people are trying to balance MCAT on top of schoolwork. I can't imagine that. You know, like I I did I had to end up writing MCAT twice because it panicked
0: in cars. That's a separate story. But, <laughs> and you're a um, tutor now and you're an yeah, instructor. I I'm a tutor now, right? oh. <laughs> So um, let, blueprint lets anyone do this now. Huh? Apparently,
1: apparently <laughs> shh, don't tell them. Don't tell them. But then The thing is, if you do it over the summer, you have the most time. Like maybe you're still working a full-time job. I worked a full-time job both summers as well. But you have that flexibility that you don't need to worry about school. On top of that, after your first and second year, most of your first and second year courses, again, if you're following that pre-med route, they will be the gen chems, the organismal bios, the biochemistries, the, um, you know, the cell bios, all of your prereq courses, basically, so it's fresh in your mind. So I would say if you have the opportunity to and you have the flexibility to Try to take the MCAT in the summer of your second to third year. If you get a great score, fantastic. It's one thing that you don't need to worry about. Tackle your third and fourth year courses. They're usually not too much related to the MCAT because they're more specialized at that point. Mm -hmm. But then you can focus on doing those like the clubs, like the extracurriculars, those leadership activities, really like... Summing, like summarizing, not not summarizing, but complementing the rest of your application and, and giving forward that holistic perspective of your application, not just like the numbers themselves. So, and then in that case, if it doesn't go well, let's say in that summer, if you're like, hey, I still need to like improve some things, then you have the flexibility over the fall of third year to the spring of third year. Maybe you take it the second time, you revamp some things, and then that way you can still apply at the start of third year to matriculate uh, after your fourth year.
0: That's a very accelerated timeline uh, and very some people some yeah. people do it uh, and they a lot of times they'll take it uh, their kind of earlier fall of their junior year. So maybe they study during mm-hmm. the summer and then they take it that September as a, a in the fall of their third year. Yeah. so that people do it. I don't know how they do it. But they, they do it. And, and that's a real big thing, especially if you're at a school that doesn't have pre health advising, or uh, maybe it's a newer pre med advisor doesn't understand the nuances of all of this and how fast this comes. Mm. Is if you haven't laid out all of your classes just right, right? And, and it's like, every school is weird and has these different nuances of like well you can only take bio two during the fall semester and so if you didn't take bio one spring semester then you can't take it in the fall and it pushes you back a whole year for this like bio sequence and then you're screwed and it's like well shoot now what do i self-study that that subject or or what and so a lot of planning goes into this stupid test called the MCAT, and hopefully, again, that's why we're doing the MCAT Blueprint by Blueprint MCAT to to help students understand this. So, looking at that kind of four semester, maybe six semester, four is a little a uh, uh, five semester, if, if uh, five semester, yeah. yeah, end of the end of the summer, second yeah, yeah. If, if four is a little crazy. One of the things that comes up a lot, and I, I see a lot of influencers talking about this or or just pre-meds who have YouTube channels, they always recommend go get a set of MCAT books mm. as a first year student, take your classes, bring the MCAT books with you mm. and go through and learn the MCAT material while you're learning for your course. What, what is your thought on that? I've actually never heard of that before, but...
1: Hearing that now, I don't think that's a bad idea because the idea is that you will see things way more in depth than you need during class than what you need for the MCAT. Remember, the MCAT is an exam of scope. It covers like, again, eight subjects in a seven and a half hour exam. There's no way they can test. They're not going to ask you to draw out mechanisms. They're not going to ask you to do like very finicky details. They want to test your thinking ability, which is how do you connect topics from a broad scope uh, across different, different disciplines? So, If you take the books with you, let's say you do a lecture on amino acids, for example, in your biochemistry class, it is foundational that if you go to class, you learn about the amino acids, the properties, the reactions and stuff. There is a subset of that content that is particularly more important to know than the others for the purposes of the MCAT. And you'll find that summarized in the review books. So any set of review books, of course, like I'm I'm gonna peddle the blueprint ones because they're the best. But any set of review books ultimately tries to distill down here was a list of everything that they said on the AMC. This is what they're going to test. We're going to distill it down back into a textbook of this is all you need to know about amino acids. This is all you need to know about you know uh, SN2 reactions. This is all you need to know about eukaryotic cells. If you compare those topics and you make sure that, like I mentioned earlier, you really build your understanding for all of those MCAT topics, you're going to set yourself up really well when it comes to test testing. And I'll promise you right now, there's a few things that are very, 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 very high um, yield on the MCAT. Things like knowing your amino acids. You got to know your structures. You got to know your like three-letter codes, the one-letter codes, maybe even the PKs, the side chains. Know your acid-based chemistry. I, I can't stress this enough because it's like it's so So, universal in a bunch of other subject areas as well. Like, it comes back to amino acids, it goes to buffers and titrations, it goes to equilibrium. You need to know acid based chemistry, especially in the context of Bronsted Lowry theory. You need to know, you know, your genetics, just simply differentiating between a chromosome and a chromatid. You'd be surprised that. Like the very minute details that is such a core foundational concept to understanding broader genetics concepts, you need to nail these down the first time. And then, of course, like in psych, social, maybe like learning conditioning, some of those broader topics as well. They'll come up over and over. I would say some things are like less important, like you know physics, for example. You'll see if you look in those those review books and even on the MCAT, there's very little advanced physics that you need. You're not going to be doing calculus on the MCAT, right? In your physics classes, different story. A lot of calculus, you know, but for the purposes of the MCAT, it's the same kind of thing. It's really prioritizing. Okay. What am I learning in class? Cause I'll see it later in the MCAT, but then taking that step back to say, what is actually important for the test later, meaning what should I really focus on understanding and appreciating now so that it's easier to relearn when I need to fresh my refresh my memory later.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned physics, calc, Uh, calc with physics, whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of questions that we get are very much centered around specific nuances of courses, right? Should I take Mm. trig-based physics or calc-based physics? Does it necessarily matter? Will one help me on the MCAT over another? Is there a quote-unquote hidden curriculum on the MCAT where I should take cell biology potentially, which nobody talks about as a prereq, Mm -hmm. but – Plenty of MCAT instructors have said, hey, like stats or cell bio or something like that is huge and will help you on the MCAT. How can can a student understand, again, coming in as a first year student, Mm -hmm. all of these extra classes that may help them that you're saying you got four semesters, take all the classes you can? Yeah, see, I was fortunate in the sense that,
1: you know, if I walk through my 10 classes in first year and 10 classes in second year, I covered basically all of the general broad stroke sciences. So I'd done the general chemistry, organic chemistry. Uh, We'd done organismal biology, cell biology. I'd done Calc 1 and Calc 2, which wasn't ultimately useful for the MCAT. We did like a stats course, which also isn't useful for the MCAT. Um, Physics, I think I did Physics 1 and 2, which brought most of it was not useful (laughs) for the MCAT. You see some concepts like, you know, diffraction. Um, You see uh, like, you know... Uh, I'm trying to think of other things. Diffraction, Doppler effect, you know, like uh, sound intensity. There's certain formulas that will come up <laughs> over and over. Ramps.
0: Come on. You got Ramps. Rampes. Ramps are the most important. Three-body <laughs> diagrams, right? <laughs> but
1: these are the things that you'll see simplistically show up on the MCAT. Because remember that the MCAT, you don't have a calculator. Yep. All the calculations can be done with mental math or quick scratch work. Mm-hmm. It's done, like, even if you think trig, the basic trig identities you should know. So, like, cosine, the values at 0, 30, 45, 60, and 90. You should know them, like, roughly in your head. A lot of MCAT math is, like, guesstimating. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be super precise. So, I would say if, from a broad scope, you can cover a little bit of Gen Chem, Orgo Chem, physics... Um, psych, I didn't personally take a sociology class. So that was something that was a bit of like a learning curve for me. But again, it's terms, you'll find it in your textbooks. It's just a matter of memorizing them. I would say that the other, the, the other sciences, it's like the life sciences are more where you need to understand as opposed to just memorize. Um, but if you have a little bit of everything, I don't think it matters too much about the style. As long as you're introduced to the topics, the concepts, it should be sufficient for the purposes of the MCAT.
0: So lots of stuff there. And, yep. and students can actually go look. The AMC does put out a, a big PDF of all of the topics that they expect a student to know. It it may be a fun uh, bathroom read while you're sitting there <laughs> doing your business. Um, yeah. So so that may be helpful to just go look and and don't trust us of like telling you what you need. Go look at the official source from the AMC. That's what all the test prep companies are building their courses and content off of. Is is that document from the AMC that says here's everything we expect students to know. Yeah. And so as you mentioned earlier, that content is much 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 less deep than what they have to know to get a good uh score on their uh, in their courses their undergrad Mm -hmm. courses so Mm -hmm. um bringing those textbooks potentially their mcat textbooks to the classroom or just having them at home as they're studying going okay like here's here's all of this information that i need to know for my my midterm next week and here's what I need to know for the MCAT, and and have the student potentially start thinking about what exactly it is, and how potentially um, uh, a test writer, a double AMC test writer, can can test this one thing a thousand different ways, which is what mm-hmm. the, the AMC is good at, is, is really coming at it from these weird angles in this 4D model that so you're like, wait, I never, never thought about it that way. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about something that, that students get for free with a Blueprint MCAT account, and that's the, the new spaced repetition platform, flashcard mm-hmm. platform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Flashcards as a first year student, how mm-hmm. much of that habit should students be building the, the minute they step foot on a campus?
1: I'm going to tell you right now with any sort of memorization-based course, I always say like the best way to content retention is three points of contact, right? You first, you're exposed to it, actively learn with it. Don't just let it go in through one year and come out the other. Like if you're reading something, read it out loud, use your hand, model things, come up with mnemonics, engage yourself with the learning, do active learning. The second part is active recall. So once you've seen it the first time, great, you understood it, you talked yourself through it, Right. Active recall is like, okay, now it's not just looking at something and reading it aloud. It's like I can close my eyes and I can bring it back from memory, right? I can close my my eyes and explain, you know, five conditions for Hardy-Weinberg equilibrium, right? Once you do that step, it's like, no matter which form you take, like I said, it could be as simple as closing your eyes, reciting it to yourself. It could be using flashcards. It could be making your own flashcards. It could be taking advantage of other flashcards that have been made. It could be writing things out. It could be drawing things out, right? But Ultimately producing it back from memory. And then as you mentioned that feature in Blueprints tools, which is the spaced repetition, you do it once, you give it a little bit of break, you do it again. And the more you do this kind of pattern, the more you retain, right? It's actually a psychosocial term. It's called Ebbinghaus's forgetting curve, right? It's like the first time you learn something, you'll forget most of it. Yeah. You relearn it, you retain more of it. You space it up more, you learn it again, and then you retain more of it and it lasts longer. So the whole point is you really need to practice active recall because you'll form those neural connections of, okay, my brain is going to fire and it's going to give me the answer. That's really what's happening up in the head. Yeah. You do that multiple times. You really strengthen that neural connection so that by test day, you recall it once or twice in that process, you'll have it on testing. You can read something yeah. a million times and it won't be there. If you can really space it out, recall it three or four times confidently, have the correct details, it'll be there on testing.
0: You know, it's, it's funny. I've never thought about it in this way, but that, that process, this forgetting curve, whatever you called it, um, th- that's exactly the same as mut- muscle atrophy. And, and, and strength training is, uh, as an exercise physiologist, former personal trainer, all that fun stuff. We, we learn, right? We, we stress the muscles. We say, Hey muscles, I want you to get stronger. So we go and lift weights. Mm -hmm. We produce micro tears. The, The body responds going, huh, we must be preparing for battle. Let me, let me start building up some, some muscle tissues, this hypertrophy, all this fun stuff. Yeah, And then if you don't go back within a few days, and do it again, the body's like, oh, I guess we're not gonna have a fight. And and it's it it knows that it's going to take energy to maintain that muscle. Right. So we are creatures of energy uh, conservation. And mm-hmm. so it's gonna go, okay, we don't need that muscle anymore. So that work that you just put in is gonna go to waste, which is where the term use it or lose it comes from. And so it's no different. Brain synapses or muscle synapses and and growth. It's exactly the same. Mm-hmm absolutely and I think like blueprints taking that one step further because they just revamped their
1: their flashcards mm-hmm. um, the one thing is that like I said it's important to after you see it once add it to your list of flashcards and like keep it ongoing the new feature they've introduced is like a study plan model where if in our if you're enrolled in our live course or in like our online resources it automatically does it for you so you see a couple of modules a couple of videos let's say you do the amino acids the biochemistry and whatnot you finish those modules if you choose the study plan model it automatically updates every module that you completed and all the associated flashcards into your deck. So you click through it and you you only see flashcards of things that you've already seen. Right? There's no point in trying to recall something you haven't seen before. So I think that's a great tool as well. Being specific about what you're doing in your flashcards. You shouldn't be re, like you shouldn't be learning things for the first time in flashcards. Flashcards is really meant for that that initial active recall period. You've already yeah. seen it. You've already understood it. And now it's about reinforcing it. So yeah. I think that's a cool feature there as well.
0: So flashcards, Mm -hmm. MCAT textbook, going through material, understanding Mm -hmm. the timeline of when the MCAT actually pops up during a kind of college career and and how fast it comes and all the classes that kind of go along with it. Is there anything else that a first year student should be thinking about when it comes to the MCAT, which most first year students aren't thinking about because they're like, ah, it's three years away.
1: Yeah. You know, you kind of mentioned this earlier and I want, to kind of, I want to circle back to it, but this idea of building good habits, you know, I think in your first year university, a lot of people come in, they're like, Hey, like it's a transition period. Um, I'm meeting new people. I'm having fun. I'm just kind of experimenting, like, you know, going about with life. And that's perfectly fine. Like you're totally valid, you're probably moving out for the first time. You're in a new environment, meeting lots of new people, having lots of fun. At the same time, you got to remember that the MCAT is right around the corner, right? And so With the MCAT times, that's not a time to procrastinate. I'll tell you right now, I've I've been a chronic procrastinator all of my (laughs) life. I could study Gen Cam, you know, for a full weekend, barely get any sleep, and then do well on the final exam. I did not dare. I didn't have an ounce in me that was like, I'm going to try this for the MCAT as well. It's... It's it's not just one exam that you can redo. It's not an exam that you can defer. Well, you can defer it, but it's like it's a big threshold mark in your career, in your journey from going from undergrad to med school and ultimately to a physician. Yeah. This is the time right now where you really want to build those habits. You know, like even with flashcards, even if it's not MCAT, do flashcards for your class, right? Really engage in class, ask a lot of questions. If you see things that, you know, like using the textbook and you're like, okay, there's this one concept that's very MCAT testable. We're seeing it in class go talk to your professors in office hours. It's literally a resource that's available that you can clarify a concept and understand it better live as opposed to waiting, you know, a year later where you're like, I still don't quite know. And now you're, you know, you're on your own, you have your books and you're not sure what to do. You watch a bunch of videos and it still isn't clear, right? Right. So having that mindset of, hey, like, now is the time to start developing these habits. Now is the time to develop a good sleep routine. Now is a good time to maybe even work on my diet, like, you know, get into a good meal prep uh, routine, get into, I don't know, like a fitness routine or go for a walk every day, go watch a sunset every day. Whatever it is, you want to figure out what are your like break activities? What are things that are going to add to your bucket to recharge what are your things that you're going to do down to, to, to limit your distractions? My phone's always been a big distraction of mine. In my fourth year, something that I discovered was like I had a, a a study partner. So we were like accountability partners every morning. Send her a list of three things that I wanted to get done. She'd send me a list of three things that she wanted to get done. Do a quick call at night and be like, hey, did you get it done or not? And it's just the, the extra layer, like the psychology of it. It's like, hey... I want, I don't want to like embarrass myself. So like, I'm going to try and get my list done. And then we did study calls in the sense that it's like my phone, I was scrolling, like hours would go by and I, it didn't add anything to my life. Like I genuinely didn't feel good scrolling for three hours on end. And I'm like, doom scrolling as they call it. Literally doom scrolling. Right. (laughs) And so I was like, how can I take my phone out of my hands without like, sometimes I just turn it off and chuck it in the other room. But then I was like, okay, Let me do literally a video call. I put my friend right there and we're just like, we're both studying. And again, it's the psychology. It's like you see someone in your periphery who's studying there as well. Now you can't use your phone because it's occupied by a video chat. Mm -hmm. And then you just work. You work for, you know, 25 minutes on, take a five minute break. 25 minutes on, take a five minute break. Classic Pomodoro, right? Mm -hmm. But identify what your biggest distractions are. Identify... The steps you need to take to develop those good habits to develop that good schedule to develop that good sleep routine because it's going to take you miles in your first and second year as just you know a student in undergrad but it's also going to really prep you for the mcat because a lot of the a very common thing that i see in students taking the mcat is hey i'm falling behind hey i'm not feeling motivated hey like things are happening and i can't adjust hey i'm not sure how to set a schedule hey you know like and sh- the list goes on right if you can develop those habits early it will pay off long term not just for the mcat or for life in general
0: yeah awesome I, I think i think uh that about covers what a first-year student or again a, a non-trad coming in mm-hmm. uh, getting their toes wet in this pre-med world would need to think about when it comes to the mcat is there one thing that students should avoid as a mm-hmm. first-year student to say like don't do it, it's not worth it, you're wasting your time, save it for later, don't do it at all. Like, is there one thing that you can think of as a a don't do? I guess kind of circling back to our point in the beginning in the sense like don't just treat your classes like a
1: GPA number, treat it as a stepping stone that will get you somewhere further in the end, right? Mm -hmm. I know that you can probably get your hands on some old exams, you can get your, you know, you can feel out a style of what the professor likes to ask in certain classes and you can probably get a good grade in that class Without really knowing too much about what's going on, right? It's possible. It happens. And I've seen it happen before. So really try to do your best to one, identify, make those connections between what you're seeing in class and what you need for the MCAT and really make an effort to understand what's going on, right? Don't just breeze by. Even if it's like, you know, you're eating lunch, you're going to watch a, I don't know, a Khan Academy video or something on this topic in chromosomes and chromatids do it. Like it's, I, you're, you're watching something anyways, and you're just eating lunch. It's like path of learning, but you're going to engage that way. If that's what works for you, that's what works for you. If it's going to listen to an episode of, you know, the MCAT podcast with Dr. Gray, if that's what works for you, that's what works for you. Start early. Don't just treat it like, okay, the MCAT something I'll deal with later. Yeah. Uh, good habits is something I'll deal with later. I can just breeze through this class now because like, I'll just relearn it later. When you push it off to later, it's going to be two, three, four more, four times more difficult because remember, when you get into that final window, you're dealing with applications. You're dealing with letters of recommendation. You're trying to study for this big beast of an exam. If you're doing it alongside your actual courses, you're studying for five courses on top of eight courses that you need for the MCAT, right? So think ahead, plan ahead, build those good habits ahead. Don't just treat it now like, hey, I'm in first year and I'm so far away. I don't need to worry about it. It is something that is worth planning for ahead of time.
0: All right, so there you have it. I hope that was a great first start to the series. Next week, we are going to jump into what to do as a second year, and then a third year. You get the, you get the theme. You're you're picking up what I'm putting down. Hopefully, uh, again, go check out blueprintmcat.com. Uh, all of the instructors that we bring on here on the podcast are live online instructors. Again, forty plus hours of live instruction. All of the amazing tools and content that blueprint gives you on their course all of the amazing full-length exams the q bank all of all of this stuff you get with their live online course go check it out blueprintmcat.com hope you have a great week we'll see you next time here on the mcat podcast